On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, taking our pants off and running on the field because Jordan Schusterman, it is streak week. Streak week, baby. Streak week. That is definitely a thing that we just made up on this episode of Baseball Barbecue, which I am happy to be joining you for, my good friend. We are going to be talking about a, a couple W's in a row and a couple L's in a row. Yes, if you take a look at the standings, there have been some teams heading in one direction or the other at blistering paces, and we wanted to check in and understand why those streaks have been happening. That is going to be the first part of our show. Then we're going to talk about something that is obviously near and dear to our heart, and that is, of course, college baseball and college softball, which is in full swing right now, and make our pitch once again to turn on your ESPN apps and watch some amazing uh, college sports or not, <laughs> or other means to watch college sports. Um, uh, of course, we're going to do good, bad, ugly. Of course, we're going to bring back MetsCon. Bobby, I hope you're preparing your injury report because it continues to get longer. Dr. And then, Bob. And then we will say uh, goodbye. Uh, but Jake, which street? Is there anything else? Did I miss anything? Or, well, or, or No, anything no else that's all cover? good. That's all good. I have a question for you. Have you ever gone streaking before? No. I would say probably, I'm sure the closest was something weird at summer camp. I at would imagine, summer camp. That, yeah, that's probably the, the answer for most people that went to summer camp. But other than that, no, certainly not uh, at a major league baseball stadium. I mean, I've played in, uh, in sprinklers as a, as a toddler. Mm-hmm. If that counts, then I am an expert because loved me some sprinklers. But Jordan, we're not talking about nudity. We're talking about consecutive results. Yes. Okay. Important yes. distinction here. On baseball barbecue, we've got one, two, three, four W streaks to talk about and three L streaks to talk about. And that's why it is streak week. Streak week, Basically, baby. It's, and it's shark week for baseball teams. Exactly. And the, the thing about, about streak week and, and why we wanted to do this is because, as we'll get into a little bit later, you know, college baseball, college softball is in full swing. And 
this time late May, you know, we're really, obviously we're watching Major League Baseball. It's our job and we love it and we can't help but watch Major League Baseball all the time. But uh, sometimes we go a couple days when we're not watching every game every night like we do for 80% of the season. And suddenly we pull up the standings when we, you know, we, we wake up and we're like, oh, let's check in on who's in first place. All right, I know it's not like we're that close to the postseason, but let's just check in. And then you see that streak column in the standings and you see, wow. Rays W eleven. The Rays have won eleven in a row, and it's like, what what is going on? I got, I got to pay attention. Then you see the other Where teams. Where have I like, been? Oh, it's like, oh my, wait a minute. The Jays. I thought the Jays are good. They've lost six in a row against their division rivals. That's not good. That's not a good sign. So we wanted to kind of take this moment to to appreciate these streaks that these teams have gone on. I know the Padres finally lost yesterday, but we're gonna get into that. So which uh, which one would you like to begin with? Let's begin in Tampa. It is the biggest W. It is W eleven, and Jordan Schusterman. Tampa is hot. They're the defending American League champs. And like when the Rays go on a W11, what do you in your head think it is? Because when I saw it, I was like, they must be winning every game three to one. And like right. the bullpen must be dominant. And like mm-hmm. glass now is probably on fire. And that's not the case when I dug a little bit deeper into the numbers. Obviously, the pitching has been good. You can't win nine games in a row without having some good pitching. But this streak is really down to like two guys, one of whom dominated headlines last October and Randy Rosarena, and the other who dominates your mental space at all times of the day, Mike Zunino. Yes, which is uh, really, really quite something to behold. And we should say there are definitely a lot of these wins that have been all right, let's bring in our, our 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 stable or whatever we were calling the bullpen this season and just you know let it go because you know. And then, of course, this year, they've got the randos like Andrew Kittredge has been absolutely dominant. They trade for Jeffrey Springs, who everyone thought sucks, and he's been great. Fairbanks is finally back, so he's been great. So, yes, some of the ingredients are to be expected. But, yeah, I mean, the Zanino, I mean, like, yeah, he's still hitting 214. But guess what? 214 this year is, like, total, not just for him. That's, like... That's like 314. <laughs> That's like 314 for Zanino, especially in the context of offense this year. But most importantly, the dude's got 11 home runs. He's absolutely killing the ball when, when you know, guys make mistakes to him. He's executing every single time uh, he has a pitch to hit. Uh, and then Joey Wendell. I mean, oh my goodness, Joey Wendell, which I think we knew. Joey, but, but this is the thing. Sometimes the Rays, you know, they have these players that it's like, oh, they're not, they're all good major league players. Like that's that's the thing. Like they don't really have any bad players um, to the point where they felt fine trade. But honestly, Willie Adamas, who we like, and we can talk about that trade in a second. You know, he really was their least consistent hitter, right? And that's why I was like, all right, well, we don't need Willie anymore. We can just just move move him along. Um, and Sutsugo, and Sutsugo, they just right? they cut David. Of course, the Dodgers are going to try to revive him. But Wendell has elevated in the way that like kind of Brandon Lau kind of suddenly became an all star. I mean. Joey Wendell right now, he's a freaking all-star. And that's crazy. That's not what we think about Joey Wendell as. We think about Joey Wendell as, as whatever, the you know, the dude that can play all the positions. I know he's he's known for his defense and, and not wearing batting gloves, but I mean, dude, this is 917 ops through 45 games. He's been ridiculous. So uh it's again like the thing about the Rays is listen, we can obviously, and I know that we got a little bit of a bit of a Twitter kerfuffle this weekend, uh, where, you know, once again, the conversation about the Rays, oh, well, look at their payroll. It's like, look, they're good at baseball. They have really good baseball players. Like, that's really what it's about. I'd rather just talk about that instead of being like, all the teams should pay their players nothing. Like, that's obviously not the takeaway from this baseball team. Just because they're smart and they happen to be good at collecting baseball players and turning every single pitcher, even the ones you think suck, into good relievers. Like, yeah, that is impressive. That doesn't mean that's how all teams should do it. It's just like, yeah, they're good at it. And 
that's a fact. And the players that are like Mike Zanino and Joey Wendell and Randy Rosarena and this weird mix of guys that are killing it right now, like it's still fun. I still like watching them. And I don't want to get sucked into that conversation either. But for me, it's like, okay, well, you did the you did the hard part, Tampa. Just drop a bag of cash on George Springer's head. Okay. Like that's that's what's frustrating is like go do the the easy part. Right. The angels who can't do the hard part always do the easy part. Right. Right. And so it's like last year, you know, if the Rays had gone out and gotten like one more bat, they could have beat the Dodgers. That's really close. Right. And so they can get through the regular season doing this dance and they can put up a W11. Yeah. But what does that mean in the postseason? Last thing about the Rays, Jordan, Mm -hmm. uh, before we get to Willie Adamas, Rich Hill. I want to bring up Rich Hill. We did a draft on this podcast of all the old pitchers who were, you know, coming back on the one-year deals. And Rich Hill at the beginning of the season looked absolutely cooked, torched, oh, mega awful. Just like I thought he was going to retire by Easter. <laughs> like it was a disaster. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then this month, he's allowed one earned run. He's been incredible in May. Again, Rich Hill. You can't kill him. When the world ends and the nuclear weapons fall on our heads, there will be the cockroaches and there will be Rich Hill throwing his curveball in the apocalypse. Dick Mountain just hovering over all of us, just thinking, wow, there he is. Still still flipping in those 69 mile an hour curveballs. It's, That's it's Rich a Hill, useful baby. analogy for you, Jake, because every time Rich Hill comes out of a game and he just kind of look takes his glove off, walks off the field slowly, looks up to the sky. Kind of looks like he's looking at the apocalypse, you know? <laughs> so what but is that? I gotta like, say, uh, Rich Hill, uh, but here's the thing. He looks exhausted from pitch one. And I don't know if that's just because he's 41 and like it, it's probably tiring to be a major league pitcher when you're 41, no matter how good you are. But like he just looks physically and emotionally wiped from the first second of the game. What if it's that's like just a always game thing? What if, the, what if he wants to make the opponent think that he's toast from the beginning? Mm, they're Rich like, oh, Hill, we're getting to him. We're getting to him. But really, Rich the spin Hill rate always is always going to be there. He always looks like he just flew in from like Germany. Yeah. Or like he flew like transatlantic and like on a red eye or something. And and he took an Uber straight to the game. He's like, yeah, you know, I just got off a long flight. It's like, he's like, what, what time zone are we in? Where are we again? The world's best what time zone are we in pitcher, Rich Hill. Yeah, but no, you're right. He, he has really turned it around. And obviously, if you look at his overall numbers, it looks like he's been merely fine. But for how awful he was. Uh, for those first few starts, he has obviously turned it around. All right, one last thing on the Rays. Um, you know, we got a trade, our first big trade of the season. A little bit of May hot stove action mm-hmm. on a Friday afternoon. Uh, a trade that basically has been telegraphed for arguably over a year now with not just um, the fact that the Rays traded Willie Adamas, but the fact that the Rays traded Willie Adamas to the Brewers. <laughs> I think teams that would be like, okay, the Brewers or the Reds are going to trade for Willie Adamas. That's basically what the conversation has been for the last year. And uh, it ended up being Milwaukee. And this is a situation where it's like, okay, well, this looks lame because Willie is someone that everybody loves in the on the team, has been a good player, a con- frustrating player at times. I mean, in the postseason. It was not pretty, and when he John bad, Smoltz, John Smoltz was was <laughs> was in a in a bad place watching Willie die. Like by the end of the World Series, like Willie Adams would come up, and John Smoltz would just be like, 
Ah. Oh no! And and to be fair, that was it was hard to disagree with John. It was Smoltz a tough by watch. the end of the postseason. But again, so when Willie is not doing so hot on offense, it is not pretty. But people pointed out that he, for whatever reason, could never hit at home in the Trump. Was always good on the road. Obviously, still a good defender. Obviously, an amazing clubhouse guy, and still a young dude with a lot of potential. And the Rays decide, look, like the way we're going to win games is to have an internal pile of. Uh, relievers who we think have good shit, and that's J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen, who Rasmussen, who they drafted a few years ago and didn't sign. Fireisen, another guy who's really established himself this year. And they have three amazing middle infielders in AAA destroying the ball. So, like, it's just kind of a reallocation of talent. And, like, it's not a great the- look because... Willie Adams is probably one of those guys that like Rays fans have his jersey, right? And when I saw Rays yeah. fans in the timeline, like it sucks. Like it's and that's sad. And that's what again, it's the same conversation we had about guys like Snell from the offseason. But as far as baseball goes, it makes sense to me. That's that's the thing. I think this is different. It, yeah. It's a hard one to swallow, but like you need to find a way to have Bruhan and Wander and Taylor Walls, also, who's very, very underrated. But I'm, let's just wander and brew. Like, those guys need to play. I think at the end of the day, like, it, he, Wander Franco is the best prospect in the world. And the time is coming where he's going to come up to the major leagues for the Rays and play shortstop. And, like, he should probably already be there or be there by the end of the year. And you can't have him and just put Willie Adams on the bench because everyone likes him. That's right. not fair to Willie. Right. Right? That's the thing, too. Like, exactly. Willie deserves to play every day. And, like, exactly. he's doesn't deserve to play every day over Wander Franco, mm-hmm. right? And so you got to make moves like this. All right, enough talk about the race. Yeah, it's, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to get in trouble. Everyone at the ringer is like, yeah, what the baseball barbecue guys talk about this week? Oh, well, they opened with 12 minutes on the Rays. It's always good for the W11 gets get catches my attention. I, I if, don't feel too bad about that. Uh, oh, I, I, me neither. Jordan, if, if the W11 for Tampa Bay wasn't enough of a hook for you listeners, let's talk <laughs> about on. the Orioles <laughs> losing seven in a row. Hold on. No, let's let's go to Toronto. Let's go to Toronto because Toronto okay, is the team know. that just got swept by Tampa and is the team that, in my head, have been hanging around. I know they barely had George Springer. I know the pitching has been really inconsistent. But, like, Vlad Jr. is leading baseball in war. He's been one of the best hitters. I mean, he's been a top three hitter in the league. He's Maybe, maybe he's the guy that's going to win MVP over Otani. But, like... They are struggling, and they are now going to call up Alec Manoa because their starting pitching is as shaky as I think we were concerned about. Um, we knew this. Yes, we knew this. So it's like there's nothing shocking, but they are going to have to. It, it's kind of surprising that it took, um, in some ways, this long. But also, they're like already like, oh shit, we got to call up Manoa, who has like four minor league starts in his career, because uh, it's it's kind of slipping away. I mean, they're still hitting. Semyon's been awesome. That's something that I, I didn't totally register uh, until this weekend when I looked at his numbers. So, like, their offseason moves have been have been okay. I mean, I know Springer's not totally there yet. He's been hurt. But I'm not that worried. I still think this team's really good. But uh, this, is a, this is a tough slide to get swept by the Red Sox and Rays back-to-back series. That's not a great look. I think this team is really good. But I don't think they can win a playoff series if their plan is Hyunjin Ryu, Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, Ross Stripling. You can't. And we said that going into the year. They were yeah. relying on Nate Pearson, who yeah. we think is really good, but is in, just looks like relatively, you know, he's had a lot of injuries. He hasn't been able to stay on the mound. And that's not his fault. But that's, you know that he was struggling with injuries last year and it might leak over into this year. And so maybe you got to add another arm. Mm-hmm. Again, 
And they've gotten some really nice pitching performances from Trent Thornton and Tyler Chatwood out of the bullpen. Maybe those guys can start moving into the rotation and give them better innings that way. But like, there's not enough starting pitching here for me to feel confident. And it's not rocket science. We said this. Yeah, that's like, like, oh, wow, the Blue Jays made a lot of moves, but like, there's no pitching depth. And their response was like, let's get Steven Matz, who had two (laughs) good starts, and Bobby had like two bad night sleeps. And then, what do you know, (laughs) equilibrium returned. Like, Robbie Ray, uh, this podcast. I slept great. No, no, no. No, correct the record. I slept great those nights. I knew this was coming. All right. Fair enough. Robbie Ray, this podcast's least, least favorite pitcher, has been pretty good. He's just throwing his fastball down the middle of the plate, and no one can hit it, but whatever. But yeah, this team needs another arm. This team needs to make a trade for another arm, or they're not making the playoffs. There you yeah. Go. Unless Manoa That's can a, come up and be, but they need more than just him. Like, even if he somehow comes up, like, how many, you know, rookie pitchers can you come up and actually count on to be that good? But uh, I am very excited to see him, but uh, it's going to take more than, than Mr. Manoa. So, Toronto, um, again, trade for Herman Marquez. There you go. Mm, that's a good spicy fit. little name. I like that. Uh, all right. Let's go to a W, back to the W side. Uh, and let's talk about the Dodgers. Let's talk about the Dodgers. Oh, my God. The Dodgers, they had that little funk. It was actually a pretty big funk, I got to say. But um, what a surprise. They're still really good. They've won seven in a row. I believe they've won uh, 10 of 11, uh, if not 11 of 12. And everything's just kind of clicking back into place. I mean, they lost Dustin May for the season, but like Bauer's been awesome. Bueller's been picking it up. Arias is amazing. Like, it's still a ridiculous team, and the bullpen's better than ever. This is the best Dodgers bullpen I can remember seeing, honestly, in the, all their years of being this good. Because Jansen's back throwing 95. I don't know how the hell that happened, but Jansen's all the way back, and that's a big part of it. Um, whenever the Dodgers go on a hot streak, you got to ask yourself, who is it? Because when the Padres go on a hot streak, usually it's because Tatis goes off, and we'll talk about that later. And, you know, like when the Angels go on the hot streak, it's probably like, oh, like Mike Trout is like slugging 9,000 this week. Right. Mm -hmm. But like for the Dodgers, it's like, okay, this could be anyone. Right. (laughs) It could literally be any player getting hot and you never know who it is. Or it could be everyone. For the last week, Max Muncy is just on another atmosphere with his walks. He is looking good. And I don't mean like the way he looks like he's good at looking. Okay, <laughs> just incredible stuff from him. Getting on base at almost a five hundred. Looking clip. good. I like looking good. I like that more than seeing it well. He's looking we should, good. I know. He's I know. Looking we should, good. We, we should exactly. We should be. We should be moving that into the lexicon instead of being like he's really seeing it well. He's looking good. What? It's like oh, both ways. Uh, yeah, he's now up to fourth in all of baseball in. Uh, Fangraph's war, which is crazy for a guy who does not really provide much defensive value. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's you know he's he's got a twenty one percent walk rate. He's got ten bombs. Like he's he's Max Muncy, man. He is he is re- to me Muncy even more than Turner is the Dodger like the Dodger creation. Like he is the guy even more than Turner for me. Um, it's just it's incredible. Like facing Muncy, talk about tough at bats. I mean, when you watch him in the postseason, it's like there is there are very few guys like Turner can look bad still on certain stuff. Muncie is just a nightmare to face. Muncie like brings the energy of like the best hitter on a high school baseball team where everyone's <laughs> just like, oh, sh- oh God, Jesus I got to face this How guy. The, what right? are we supposed to do with this? And of course, on a worse team, you just pitch around him. But uh, they have a lot of other good players. This um, is the I- thing. And 
when yeah. the Yankees were scuffling, we went on this pod and we said, it's fine. Going to be okay. And mm-hmm. the Dodgers we'll scuffled and we were like, going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be okay. If you're the Dodgers or the Yankees and you build your team the way that you built your team, give baseball time. It's a long season. We're not even at the 60 game mark yet, Jordan. I know. I okay. know. I know. So, then we can really wrap it up. No, it feels like we're coming down the stretch. I think that's why I know. people are panicking. <laughs> Just like last year. So I know uh, it's not rocket science, but yes, the Dodgers are good. All right, Jordan, let's transition from a W to an L. Mm. Let's stay in that division. Let's do it. And talk. But the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, I know. You're who, like, you're thinking, who gives a shit? Who gives about the D-backs? Who gives shit about and the you D-backs? might be and, right. And that's None fair. of us. Because, because Jordan, we, we talk about this all the time. How the pod, if you asked a casual baseball fan friend of yours to say, name all 30 baseball teams, they would name the Arizona Diamondbacks last right now. That used to be the Padres. Yep. But the Padres, obviously not that team anymore. So yeah. if I said, name all 30 teams and you didn't live in Phoenix, you're probably naming the Diamondbacks last. They are on a an L8, I believe. An L8. They are down, I believe, bottom three record in baseball. And this, listen, I mean, realistically, this might be the last time we mention the D-backs, unless they're on an L16 next week or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, they might just sink to the bottom. Um, the fact that they're worse than Colorado, at least right now, is very concerning. But when I pulled their numbers, it's like, I mean, some of their young players who they are building around are been great. Carson Kelly, I mean, he has been spectacular, and that's a guy who like I, the best I was catcher with. in baseball. Yeah, he's been he's been so good. Uh, as Drubal was really awesome before he got hurt. Uh, of course, we loved him, LeCastro, although he might not be as good as we all hoped he would be. Paven Smith has been. I know his numbers have kind of tailed off, but he's been kind of a revelation. But the pitching is just brutal. I mean, this is one of the worst bullpens in baseball by far. Anything that we thought Madison Bumgarner had reverted to being like even a barely above average starter is just not the case. I know he had his fake no hitter, but that is just he's merely fine. And that is near, not nearly good enough. And if Zach Allen's out, I mean, they have no hope because Zach Allen's awesome. And uh, besides him, it is it is a bad, bad, bad staff. There is a gentleman on the Diamondbacks <laughs> who has made five starts and thrown 31 innings who I have yep. never heard of before. <laughs> yes. I know that they traded. Yeah. I know that Arizona traded for Caleb Smith mm-hmm. from the Marlins, mm-hmm. who was like pretty good as a starter for the Marlins, like a boring starter. But yeah. he has made one start. And instead, they have someone named Riley Smith. Yeah, like I know Jordan, you're the guy who knows all the players, and that's not my job. But I have never heard of Riley Smith. Shouts out to Riley Smith. Real, I'm a huge now. I'm a huge fan. I hope he figures it out, turns it around. His WAR is negative point six according to Baseball Reference. But you know, Jordan, he's the pride of San Jacinto College. He is in Houston, Texas, according to. My Listen, uh, lifelong fan. Your research, yes. San Jack North. He was a 2020 debut, so I can understand why you missed that. Matt Peacock is my guy in Arizona, but that's enough D-backs chat. Let's get back to the teams that matter. Let's get back. Stay in Division One. Teams again. that matter. Jordan, come on. Let's talk that about the pods. Sense. Let's talk about the dads, all right? Let's talk about them Padres. I know they finally lost dad. Finally lost to, to Milwaukee uh, last night, but they were on a W9, I believe, before dropping one in Milwaukee. And, uh, I mean, they just absolutely slapped the shit out of my beloved Mariners. I watched very little of it. It was great. Uh, It was great for everyone because the Mariners got to go in and get their ass kicked, and Fernando Tatis Jr. got to put on a show. And, as you mentioned before, this has really been uh, Tatis reminding us. I mean, it's been a big stop and start, right? He has this awesome start. 
He, his subluxation, Bobby, of course, Bobby's favorite subluxation. He goes out. We're like, oh, shit, he might be out for a long time. He fixes his swing. He goes two-handed. He comes back. Then he gets the COVID IL. We just, he just disappears again for five days. And then now it's just like, he is like, all right, guys, let's calm down. I'm still the best shortstop in baseball. Let's not get crazy. He's like, let me just take that OPS over uh, over 1,000 real quick. Just give me a sec. Oh, okay. I'm done. Thanks. All right. I did it. Okay, cool. It took three games against Seattle. Uh, yeah. I mean, he. this is it. Like, he was struggling to start the year even before the subluxation, which I think yep. is important to note. And like, when it, we saw the errors on defense, and maybe mm-hmm. the defense is still a concern, but there was a mm-hmm. lot of strikeouts, and he was overswinging, and like, mm-hmm. just wait. He, I gotta he say, was always going to be fine. Yeah. His OPS plus is over 200. He's hitting the absolute crap out of the ball. He looks mm-hmm. locked in. This is the guy. This is it. This is what we ta- spent all offseason and last year talking about. That Fernando is back. And the fact that a guy who plays shortstop and runs like he does is like up there in the league leading home runs. That's different. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, pitching wise, it, it, it's gone about as expected with Lamette being the total wild card who's now like a reliever. Like, I don't really know what the plan is with him. Um, but I mean, the pitching's been spectacular. We've talked about Melanson. I think you had him as your good recently, but I think he's least 16 saves. I assume that leads baseball. Um, he's been spectacular. And the whole bullpen, all the all those weirdos down there, Tim Hill and Austin Adams and Nabil Krismat. Dude, Nabil Krismat's been like a good major league pitcher this year. How Mary about that? Krismat. Krismat yeah, in Krismat July. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is it's nice to see now that the Dodgers and Padres have reemerged since they had their series against each other about a month ago, as they're the two, I think they're the two best records in baseball. And like, I know the Giants are right there. I know Giants fans. I know, but again, like the Dodgers kind of put you in your place a little bit this past weekend. Giants are good. We'll talk to you when we have to talk about you when we have to, but uh, it's nice to see the Padres and Dodgers kind of float back to the top. There were two players on the Padres team last year that were fundamental to their success in the shortened season. And both of those players, there was not concern, but there was a question to be asked heading into 2021. Is that a blip? Is that a fluke? Or is that for real? And both Trent Grisham Mm -hmm. and Jake Cronenworth are proving that it's for real. They have both been spectacular this year. They are both, you know, in bolded letters, underlined and italicized, actually good. Right? (laughs) Yeah, man. And that's important because, you know, Fernando Tatis has been out. And over the stretch with him back now, it just elevates the team up to another level. I know Grisham, I think, is on the IL now, but Grisham and Cronenworth are key. Then on the pitching side, Darvish is like, he's let up three runs in total and four starts in all of May. Like, right. he is now back to what he was last year. He struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year. And then the last guy I love on this team is Ryan Weathers, who I yeah, think is man. super underrated, considering that he's like the youngest everyday starting pitcher in baseball. I know that they use him kind of weirdly, like the Rays use pitchers. He throws like chunks, three or four innings at a time. But he competes, dude. He's like, he's he's significantly younger than us. We're like, we he might be one of the first players with whom we don't have like common cultural touchstones with. <laughs> like he probably didn't watch like Cyber Chase. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that that is about the line. I mean, he's he's full Gen Z. There is no question about Mr. Gen Z Ryan Weathers. So yeah, it's crazy and how much they're relying on him. And and obviously, again, we we've mentioned this, but like it says a lot. Like Mackenzie Gore is still doing chilling in AAA. Like that's the big name that everyone has been waiting for in San Diego for the last year. And Ryan Weathers, who is I basically the same age as Mackenzie Gore, if not maybe younger, which is crazy. 
is just doing it in the big leagues. And it's like, oh, no, no. Like, you have a lefty doing this at the big leagues on the Padres right now. And he was also a first-round pick, and he's also really good. So Padres have a lot of good players. What a freaking surprise. Uh, all right, let's go back to the L's. One more L and one more W and head back east to your Baltimore Orioles. Not mine anymore. Not my, wait, what do you mean? What no, I'm kidding. They're mine, whether they're L <laughs> or they're W, and they're my Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I, I got to admit, I have watched about one innings worth of Orioles baseball over the last week, and it's been great. When you see your team about to jump on a schneid, you got to just, you know, mental health. Just watch something else, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's basically... Uh, that's basically how I, I dealt with the Mariners and the Mariners. They finally won last night. We could have been talking about them on, a, on an L7 right now. But the Orioles have very quickly sunk down to the worst record in baseball, as I think a lot of us assumed. And I'm just pulling up, you know, looking at their BRF page and looking at looking at their stats. It really is. I just, the, the, the start, I mean, like we knew this is what it was going to be. But when you look at the starting pitchers and you see John Means, all-star, you know, AL Cy Young candidate with his ERA under two. Everyone else in the rotation with an ERA at or around six. <laughs> it is just exactly what we expected. Um, and unfortunately, the bullpen magic of Mr. Cesar Valdez has started to slip a little bit to the point where that was quite the uh, quite the the tower of Jenga. Uh, with the Orioles bullpen where they were so weirdly good with the Valdez's and Tanner Scott's and Paul Fry's of the world at the beginning. As soon as it started to tip, it has come crashing down in epic fashion. And while they still have had their moments on offense and Mancini has been awesome and DJ Stewart hit a fun homer last night, they are at the point right now where you just know they are not holding any lead. It is not happening. And uh, it's been tough to watch, except we haven't been watching it. So we're just pulling up the standings and seeing an L7, and we wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure it's been tough to watch for the Orioles broadcasters. <laughs> right. um, but for me, it's been fine. <laughs> it's um, been fine yes. I'm great. Yeah. I'm doing great. It's okay. Look, uh, dude, Mancini's been great, and it's that's obviously something that if there's one thing we yeah. wanted to get out of this season, it's a good Mancini. Mullins has been good, but this yeah, is the thing. Back to the pack. Back to the Back but, to the bad. We knew the Orioles were going to be bad. That's not breaking news. And what's been nice about the season, even as they've been bad, is that there are things to care about and things to get excited about, right? So like Mancini leading the league in RBI after missing an entire year with cancer. Like if the Orioles win 55 games and Trey Mancini is an all-star, like that's great because I was expecting them to win 55 games anyway this year, right? So I'd rather have them win 55 games with Trey Mancini kicking ass. Same thing with Cedric <laughs> Mullins. Same thing with John Means, who's like, it's legitimate. It's not yeah, a man. mirage. It's legitimate. Yeah. ERA is 179 through 65 innings, which is just, that's the real deal. Um, awesome. But yes, he you are right. an all-star but, once again. And uh, I got to say, um, I got Minnesota again today, and then they go to Chicago to play the White Sox for four games. So it could get even uglier. All right, let's the Orioles are wait. Some, the Orioles are just, yeah. they're just like the um, the stress ball for all these teams that are that are riding the schneid. It's like the Nats were were struggling and then they always mm-hmm. came to town and then the Twins have been a disaster and the Twins are like, oh, nice. And then the White Sox who were scuffling lost three to the Yanks over the weekend. Like, Orioles coming to town. Love it. Especially if you don't have to see means. <laughs> Let's go. Stay in the AL East and begrudgingly talk about the New York Yankees who we just mentioned the White Sox who kind of need need that little uh, reprieve by playing the Orioles at home. They came to New York City and had a a tough time against the Yankees. The Yankees on a W6 
And uh, they've been good now for, for, you know, really since we, you know, were trying to dance on their grave uh, back in the middle of April, as we knew we were not going to be able to do that for long. Uh, but the Yankees have really picked it up. Now, right now, again, with that Rays hot streak and the Red Sox are still very good. Those are all those three teams are all within one game, which is very uh, exciting and exactly the kind of race we want to see even this early in the season. But uh, in terms of the Yankees, I mean, it's weird because for them, you know, they got the Kluber no hitter. Cole has been just I mean, (laughs) Cole's been I know with DeGrom stop and start in terms of overall body of work. I mean, Cole has been the best pitcher in baseball this year uh, just because I think he has three or four more starts than DeGrom. Obviously, I believe DeGrom's better. Bobby, you can stay muted. It's fine. But Cole has been amazing. He has been this is what they paid for last year, right? This is what they they didn't have in those inconsistent starts, which I think he only made 10 of or 12 of in the shortened season. This is full-blown Garrett Cole. He's been amazing. And some of their, 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 you know, the depth guys have been stop and start. Kluber throws a no-hitter, but he's still inconsistent. But it's weird. Like, I'm looking at their offensive numbers, and I'm still not really impressed besides Judge. And so I don't know if that makes me more impressed about how they've been winning these games or more just being like, oh, right, like a raw Chapman's been the best reliever in baseball, and so that has made it very easy for them to close games, even if they're only scoring three or four runs. Um, but I'm not, I'm not really sure. Like, I think it's probably a good sign that most of their stars have still kind of been slow to get super hot. Uh, I know Torres has been a lot better lately, which people have been excited about, but uh, I don't know. I mean, we knew the Yankees were going to be good, and like the Dodgers, like they just have a built-in advantage of having more good baseball players than the average team. At the beginning of the season, the Yankees were struggling and unlucky. Now they've been above average and lucky, and that is yep. like the equilibrium of baseball. And that's fine, right? That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. But it is important to know, again, they, the the guys really haven't kicked it into that next gear. But again, they will. They, they will. will. They will. All right. Jake Mintz, uh, that is... Our, we're done streaking. Let's, let's put our clothes back on. Can I put my, put my clothes back on? Yeah. Let's, hopefully, we don't have to spend a night in, in, in city jail, which I'm pretty sure is the minimum punishment for, for streaking on a major league How do you uh, know that, field. Jordan? I don't How do you know. know um, How do you know that? I have, I have to imagine it also comes with a hefty fine. Which uh, Bobby, have you ever streaked? Oh, yeah. I guess we want to give, give, give producer Bobby the opportunity to answer that question. Bobby, ever go streaking? I've never actually moved faster than a walk in my life, so no. Oh, so it's more about the speed, not about what clothes you've been wearing or yeah, not wearing. That as well. I've never been out in public, actually. I've been sitting here since I was born, and I've just been waiting to produce this podcast. This is why he's so a great producer. Yeah, he's committed. I've been grinding. If, you, if you've never walked... i put in my time. <laughs> is walking naked streaking? No. Mm, no. What is that, then? Because you have to... I think the streak... That's just being a nudist. I'm not sure. <laughs> the streaking right, not, is the running part. You're streaking down the field. Right, right. It's like a streak of a drunk naked guy, right? Has, has It's <laughs> streaking across the what field. What about a jog? Mm, yeah, I think there's probably a minimum uh, miles per how hour you need fast, to reach. How fast does my 40 time need to be for it to be considered streaking. No, it's more like like a standard deviation from how fast you usually move. So anybody can be streaking at any speed so long as they're going faster than they would typically be walking. Okay. So like Albert Pujols, right? I mean, Albert Pujols is the slowest player in baseball. So his, you know, level of streaking is still looks very slow. But if it's faster than him walking, then yes. I see what you're I like the idea that Albert Pujols is walking naked and everyone's like, oh, that's not weird. He's, he's not streaking. Not fast enough. <laughs> oh, didn't think that's what we were going to talk about, Pujols. On this episode of Baseball Barbecue, but you never know what you're going to get. All right, let's move to our next topic before we take a break and then come back for Good, Bad, Ugla. Jake Mintz, as we sit here on May 25th, 
we sit with, in some ways, the calm before the storm. I would say it pretty much is the calm before the storm, or you could argue in the softball world, the storm has already begun. But right now, we are staring at the best three, arguably four weeks of college baseball and softball you can imagine. This is an incredible time of the season to tune into these games because the stakes are higher than ever. Careers are ending on television. And if that sounds masochistic, it also makes it great TV, but also is the beauty of it. These kids, I know a lot of these, sure, a lot of these guys in the SEC are going to go play pro ball, but some of these smaller conference tournaments this weekend, certainly in softball, certainly at lower levels of college baseball, this is it, man. This is it. You're leaving it all. When we talk about leaving it all on the field, Talk about Major League Baseball. It's like, whatever. You're going to come back and make millions of dollars next year, okay? It's fine. You're going to be all right. You're good. This is it, man. You leave it all out there, and this is why we cannot encourage people enough to tune into some college baseball and softball this weekend. I hate the the players just want it more <laughs> narrative. I think it's lazy, but I also think to a point it is true, mm-hmm. and here's why. It's about stakes, right? Yeah. When the Rays lost the World Series last year, what happened? Obviously, I'm not saying that the Rays don't want it to win sucks. the World Series. Yeah. The the reward is bigger, right? Like the potential accomplishment and achievement is amazing. But if the Rays lose the World Series, the Rays are a bad example. But a, usually a lot of the players are just back on the same team the, year, the, <laughs> right. the next year. And you try again. Right? And you try again. You try again. And, and you go on a W11 still, again. It's like great. You go on a W11 <laughs> and like, you know, it, it still probably stings, no doubt. But you're still playing. For seniors... On college baseball teams, you are not playing for just that title. You are playing for your baseball career in most cases. And if for seniors, you are playing for your childhood. The second that you stop, that you are out of eligibility in a lot of these tournaments, when your team gets eliminated, your next five days are go to your dorm, clean it out, on an empty campus because everyone else is gone. Hug some people goodbye. Cry a lot, which is fine. And then go start your life. Right? Go to your job. You're trying to extend, right. (laughs) You're trying to prevent having to go get a job is basically what 80% of the players competing over these, probably more than that, 90% of the players competing in these uh, tournaments uh, over these next few weeks will be doing. Imagine getting to just, if you play your sport well enough, you can extend your childhood by about three weeks. That's, that's awesome. You know, and I, I, I know we all wish that we could do that, right? That's a pretty cool level. And what that does is it just heightens the intensity of it all, mm-hmm. right? And that's, I think, one of the reasons why we love college baseball. Another reason why we recommend tuning in for this, for these games is, yes, the level of play is lower and it's not as crisp as MLB. But what that means is there's so much more unpredictability. Like you could put in a pitcher and this could be D1, probably not softball because like all the softball pitchers are incredible, but like D1, D3, like you bring a pitcher in out of the bullpen, they could just not have it. Like they might just, I'm not, I'm not talking about like, you know, Joe Kelly not have it where like <laughs> you don't kind of have it. Like I'm talking like no strikes. Like you can blow Zero. an eight run lead. Eight straight Easy. balls pulled. Right. Easy. Right. right. The volatility level is so much higher and that makes it so much more unpredictable and way more entertaining. Uh, 
in some respects. So just to give you guys an over, more specifically, again, we're giving you the, the vague, you know, platitudes about why we love this and that's important, right? But uh, specifically this weekend, we've got D1 college baseball turn, uh, conference tournaments, which are important, although most of these teams at the best are going to be in the, the actual regionals, which start the week after that anyway, right? But they, the, the players do care. And I would mm-hmm. say particularly in the SEC, the SEC tournament in Hoover is yep. outstanding television. Yes. Would you say it means more? Is that how you would perhaps describe it? The SEC what it would. <laughs> SEC is exactly what they would say. Uh, the uh, softball Division One regional, super regionals, will be taking place this weekend. Um, these are, I mean, the beauty of softball. Yes, there are upsets. Yes, there are Cinderella stories. James Madison, shouts out to them. But generally, the best teams get to the World Series. And that is in some ways comforting because you know you are watching the best of the best of the best against each other. And in a season like this, when there's been less cross-conference pollination, you will be seeing some super-duper fun matchups. I cannot encourage you enough to turn on some super regional action this weekend to see the best softball in all of the land. Why don't you give people the one series that you're watching the most? I already know the answer to this. It is Oklahoma (laughs) versus Washington, but Jordan... Yes, Elaborate. so there you go. Just the 30-second the spiel on Oklahoma-Washington. Oklahoma, who's lost two games all year, they're the best offense in softball history. They've hit like 150 home runs in like 45 games. They were the one number one overall seed. And in a shocking turn of events, the University of Washington, who has been consistently a top eight team all season, were given the 16th seed in the tournament, which meant in the Super Regionals, they are matched up with Oklahoma. This is one of the most uneven, or I guess, it's basically too overpowered of a matchup. This was a very controversial decision in the softball world. And now one of these teams, only one of these teams, both of which have been perennial World Series contenders, will be able to go to the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City. And if Washington can take down Oklahoma, it will be unbelievable theater. Uh, that is obviously the one I am watching. Um, but there's all of these uh, I cannot recommend you tune into enough. Uh, Montana Fouts, pitcher at Alabama, watch her this weekend. She is incredible. Probably the best pitcher in the country this year, certainly in the last few weeks. That is our softball and baseball spiel. If you like D3 baseball, those regionals are also starting this weekend, but you can find that on our other podcast. Uh, Jake Mintz, is there anything else we need to tell people about for the college uh, action this weekend? I mean, again, we're just, again, like we have, we we are so blessed with an 162 game major league baseball season. It will be there during the week. It's going to continue happening. You know, when, after this weekend, like just take a little, take a little, get a little taste of this other flavor of baseball and softball. You will not regret it. It's just like, you know, this is the part of the year. And we'll be honest with you, with you beautiful listeners, Jordan and I are watching less major league baseball during this three week time than we usually do. And so like, what that's going to mean is if you ride with our stuff, like on Twitter, it's going to be a lot more college stuff, right? And like on this pod, you're going to get a little bit more college stuff. So if you want to come along for the ride, just boot up the old usually Welcome. ESPN Welcome. and and we'll hang out. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back with the good, the bad, the ugly. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
got your happy price, price line. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Jordan Schusterman. Why did I sound like that? Uh, all right, we are back here on Baseball Barbecue. We have talked enough about college baseball, although I might bring it up again. Uh, it is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. A play on words of good, bad, and ugly. Get it? Except instead of ugly, we talk about weird baseball things in honor of the legendary Dan Ugla. Jordan, I usually start, but we'll let you lead off this week. What was good in your life of baseball? Uh, I'm going to go the reverse of the bad that I gave last week. And I'm going to talk about the Fredericksburg Nationals' first victory. The Fred Nats have finally won. Yes, I came on this pod last week. And I talked about how they were 0-15 with a minus 125 run differential. All, it seemed like it was starting to pick up some nat, like some, you know, there was a story in Baseball America. It was like, oh shit, the Fred Nats are the worst team ever. And they finally won. I tuned in for the last inning of this game. They held a two run lead going into the ninth inning. This was at home at their brand new ballpark in Fredericksburg, Virginia. The crowd was, I mean, this was the most into a game I have ever seen a minor league game. Like it was, it, I was so <laughs> nervous. I was so, so, so nervous. The the Red Sox, they were playing against uh, against Salem and they got, they, they tied the game. Um, a guy hit a ball off the top of the wall for an RBI double, which would have been a game tying home run. When that ball was hit, my heart sank. I was, I was legitimately shaking nerves for this team to get their first win, but they finally closed it out with a strikeout. It was the most electric minor league ending I can remember seeing. And did they have they lost the two games since? Yes, of course they have. They're one and seventeen. They're still the worst team in minor league baseball, and it is going to be a long season in Fredericksburg. But I, I was stunned at how uh, nervous I was watching the end of that game. So shouts out to the Fred Nats. Those are my good this week. Wow, I love that, Jordan. Good pick. Uh, my good is a goodbye. Oh, okay. A goodbye to TD Bank Park. In Tell me, Dunedin. Oh, oh, are they done? It went. Is they, did they play their final games there? I didn't even realize. I this. believe they have. Oh as my the team, goodness! Uh, is moving back up to Buffalo. TD Ballpark. Sorry, is the official name of it. TD Ballpark, where the Dunedin Blue Jays usually play, and the Toronto Blue Jays have been playing because I don't know if you guys saw. There was a small pandy. And so hard for the Toronto Blue Jays to get back into Canada. So they've been playing in Florida. And this ballpark has produced some absolutely absurd offensive numbers, which I don't think we really expected, considering that it is at sea level and that the ball doesn't always carry when the air is thicker. And 
it was just very offensive. I believe uh, there was an average of around uh, 11 or 12 runs per game total, not per team. Wow. Yeah, no, still, but that's like, crazy. That's still a lot of runs. The Blue Jays averaged around six-ish, a little bit more runs per game while they played there, which is nuts. And to wrap it up, yesterday, the uh, Rays beat the Blue Jays 14 to eight in the final game, final big league game in that park. Uh, and it produced some weird moments. Again, obviously, we'd prefer for the Blue Jays to be playing in their home stadium if everything was normal. We understand, as we've always said for the last year and a half, Canada doing a good job, being safe. Good job, Canada. We see you. We see you out there. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry absolutely. about it. But it was like a nice, weird little blip in the in the annals of baseball history mm-hmm. that will have the Blue Jays playing in Florida and Vlad Jr. hitting a home run onto a basketball court. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Right. There's just like a middle school <laughs> out there. It's very, now, I think they're returning to Buffalo is, is my understanding. Yes. Uh, hopefully, they will be back in Toronto at some point this year. Um, but yeah, no, that's true. It was, it was, uh, it was strange to like really lock in and watch real high, especially the contrast, because there were some crazy games that they played in these first couple months there and contrasted with what we usually watch, which is the most boring spring training games ever. Yes. You know, which is most spring training games, but like, I feel like in Dunedin, like just the vibe of the average Dunedin spring training game is just like so blah, but like, it was cool that they kind of uh, had a real uh, environment there. So that is a good, a good buy. All right. My bad. I don't know if this fact in particular is bad, but maybe elements of it are bad. And this is a headline uh, that I just saw today, which is that Joe West is poised to break the umpiring record for most games ever umpired. Do you know how many uh, games he is? You know, do you know what number game Joe West is about to ump? Two, one, three, one. <laughs> Great guess. Uh, it is more than double that. He will be umpiring his 5,376th regular season game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Do you know Joe West? Oh, my Joe West, now this is again, it's like, well, what's bad about this? I'm going to make a larger point here. Obviously, people think Joe West is bad. So that's the obvious point that we can make. Uh, Mr. West began his major league career at age 23. Think about that. Joe West's first uh, ump big league games at 23 in 1976. Motherfucker was the Mel Ott of umpiring. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? So, I mean, I'm sure that was more normal back in the 70s, whereas now I believe the youngest major league umpires now are like 30, maybe 29 uh, with some of the call-up umps. Um, but the reason I'm going to go bad here is that like, I, this is, I don't want to turn this into just like, oh, ump- umpiring is bad. And generally I defend umps for just like the amount of like that their job is hard and that they're they're better at it than people give them credit for. But it does remind me that it is it is weird to me that umpires basically can stay forever in way in ways that like I I kind of wish there were some umps that were like you're not good anymore. Like you it, you don't get to have this job forever. I know this is a more complicated issue than that, but Joe West, like, I do wonder, like, are we going to be having 79-year-old Joe West still just out there throwing people out for egregious shit? Probably. Like, we probably will. And I I, I just kind of hope that uh, that is not the case because if we are going to continue to have umped, human umps in the game, which I do want more than robo-umps, uh, we can't have them sticking around past when they also probably should not be driving a car anymore. There you go. There's my wow. There's my bad. (laughs) Ageist take from Jordan Schusterman. I say let umps ump the whole time. I want to see like let umps hundred in. I want Joe West with a walker out there. 
There should be a rule like if you were a professional umpire when Watergate happened, like you got to <laughs> we got to cycle in a new one. No, that's experience. Or, yeah, it's not like know. you need your eyesight right. when you're umpiring. Right. So if that goes that. like whatever, who cares? Right. It's a little you know bit mean? less dangerous than. Where do you think Joe West stands on Watergate? Uh, I don't know. We should check in with him. Uh, Jake, what's do your we point? think <laughs> Joe West? <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Maybe Joe West <laughs> thinks Watergate's about water. <laughs> but I, I, I doubt wow. that he has stronger takes than that. How about that? Uh, how about that water scandal? Okay. Uh, my bad, Jordan. Uh, is the Baltimore Orioles. And I know we already talked about them. And this is maybe a bad good, and it's also a bit of a conversation, okay? The Baltimore Orioles, at the beginning of the season, they won some games. They were in it. They were like, you know, as all teams are at the beginning of the season, not named the Detroit Tigers. They were like, you could be like, oh, they're three games out. You know, if they win three in a row, like they could be right there. You never know. But we have reached the point of the season where that is done. It's gone. That any dream of like the cute, oh, there are this many games back on this date. Like it's there's still a, yeah. that's done. Okay. So my that's my bad. That sucks as a fan. Yeah. There's a moment in every season when your team's bad where you actually lose the hope. Spring training, there's hope. Opening day, the Orioles go three and zero against the Red Sox to open the year. They're undefeated. There's hope, but that hope's gone. And I understand that. I'm realistic. So my question to you is like, what do you root for at this point? The number one overall pick next year is a gentleman, well, probably next year, is a gentleman by the name of Elijah Green. Elijah Green is generational, okay? He is better than everyone in this current draft, even the famous Vanderbilt pitchers who, spoilers, everyone, they're not going to go first overall, almost certainly. We're warning the you draft, now. The draft is still a couple months away, but there's like an 80% chance that we'll go number one and people are going to lose their minds, but that's okay. Anyway, the guy next year who's probably going to go one, this guy, Elijah Green, okay, could change your franchise. Like, this is like the type of player who basketball teams tank for is <laughs> like how I would, I would describe it, right? Yeah. Like, and the Orioles now, I want them to do well and I want them to win games. I want them to win enough games. But like, this is the morality. This is why this is where I get so icky and confused. Is like I want Elijah Green, right? And like the fact that the Orioles don't have the number one pick this year kind of stinks. You know? Yeah, I think the thing is it's still too early. Like I think, I mean, again, when when your bad team is doing it particularly bad, it's not very fun. And like you gotta take those breaks to to kind of step away, kind of step away and just be like, all right, like oh, I'm gonna take a little break here. Like, but- is is it is it bad? Like, is it immoral for me to be rooting for? 150 Cedric Mullins steals, a John Means Cy Young, 74 home runs from Trey Mancini, and 54 wins and the worst record in baseball. No, but I would say that you, I don't think as far as the the tank discussion, especially for a long season of baseball where we're only in May, I don't think you can be happy about the team losing until like the I'm last not. week of the season. I know you're not. That's why <laughs> this saying. is a bad. <laughs> this is a bad. I know. I'm just saying that like you can't be it can you you can't be looking at the standings yet, even though they're the worst team in baseball. I'm talking about Elijah Green. Uh, okay. It's more about celebrating individual accomplishments, and when they beat the good teams, it's still like hell yeah, it's that's the awesome. best. Like it's they're the gonna best. win Bobby, a game against the White Sox this weekend, and White Sox Twitter is gonna be melting down, and you're gonna be like, ha ha ha, Ryan Mountcastle hit three home runs. Like that, yeah. you still got to take those moments. So, of course, and I take um, those. I'm never rooting. I am never turning on an Orioles game and being like, gee whiz, I hope they lose. Yeah, of course. But like course. the next, I live morning, for the replies that are like, DJ Stewart, you just lost to DJ Stewart, <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't probably because you probably <laughs> well, won. Right. 
right. They they almost did, and then the bullpen happened. Um, Bobby, you've yes. never had your favorite team be bad, like you've like bad, bad. Like you've had the Mets have been bad, but they've never like picked top five in your lifetime, as far as you can remember. They picked, like they've never been well, abysmal. Set ninth, eighth. What was the Conforto pick? Feels Harvey. like the, the Mets are always picking eight to sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. They never. I don't think they've ever lost a hundred games in my life, but they frequently <laughs> lose like ninety one, which is arguably worse because for exactly that reason, I've right. never had an Adley Rutschman. Right, right. That's true. That's true. But hey, you have know. a Francisco Alvarez, so uh, we'll get to him a little bit later. Uh, Bobby Wagner it is time for Jake. I mean, look, I, this is obviously we'll be dealing with this. Uh, this crisis for for a while, but all right, let's do Ugla quickly. Uh, my Ugla this week is something that a video that I saw this morning, and it is an, one of the most incredible videos that I've ever seen. Uh, did you see the video of Max Scherzer this morning? Uh, no. Okay, I want you to go. I, this is good. This is, I like when we do live reactions. I want you to just go ahead and search Max Scherzer on Twitter, and okay. I want you to describe to me what you are seeing. Uh, mobile a, or mobile or desktop. Um, I I don't think it matters. Just, and it, it'll be one of the Twitter videos that that shows up. I'm sure. Okay. Um, uh, so you search Max, Max Scherzer. Scherzer. Yep. yep. Go search videos. Right. I Is believe this our the friend, graduation graduation yes, ceremony. Yes. Take it. Take a look at the video and tell me what you are okay. seeing in the video. Oh, this is um this is mobile. I'm gonna watch this on mobile. This is um just the way that it's. Oh, but then you're gonna hear it. Okay. So yeah, I'm just gonna watch. Okay. <laughs> You don't need sound. It's fine. You're like you know, shockingly concerned about the experience of watching it on mobile. All you're going to do is watch it and describe it to podcast listeners, Jake. Unbelievable. This is me, an Jake. unbelievable video. Okay. This is Georgetown University having their graduation in Nats Park. A cool moment, right? Because if you have a lot of kids graduating, you want a big stadium, you can socially distance. That's very cool. And the kids are literally being announced on the big screen, right? On the Jumbotron. This is yesterday. This is on Monday. But on the field, there's Max Scherzer getting his tossing in because he just had to do it during that time in that space. He is literally on the field freaking practicing. <laughs> the Amazing. best part is like, the. I mean, if you do watch the video and you hear the sound, like you just hear the names being announced, right? You see them up on the big screen. And that is just, I mean, what a what a thing. And it's one of those, one of those situations, and I think about this all the time, where like, I'm not totally convinced that if like Paolo Espino wanted to go get some work in during this graduation, that that mm. would have been possible. But if you're Max Scherzer, like there's some, I'm sure there's some players uh, at every stadium or on every team that basically have what can a thousand percent do whatever they want in the ballpark, whenever they want at whatever whim they want. Right. And Max Scherzer is obviously at or near the top of the list for the, for the Washington nationals. Right. And uh, I love this. And also like, what is it? Who's going to really get mad? I'm sure there are some Georgetown parents that are like, this is disrespectful, who don't give a shit about baseball. But it is an amazing visual. And I think for most people there, especially in Georgetown, we're like, if they're, I know Georgetown has a lot of people from out of out of DC. But like, if you're, a, like, that's an amazing, that's that's so cool. That's so cool. Even yeah. if it's weirdly distracting. And like the pop of the mitt is maybe, <laughs> you know, intermittently uh, interrupting the uh, announcing the graduates. College graduations as an event like the actual event, not the accomplishment. The event are the is maybe the most overrated like single entity in American culture. Boom. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's, an, that's an overstatement. That's an overstatement. That is an overstatement. Uh, but graduations, graduations are are fine. 
Yeah. But also, I mean, it's cool to have graduations in person again. I know some people still aren't. So like, that's, that's cool, cool yeah, yeah. right? Better than having a Zoom grad and obviously doing it in Nance Park is cool. Yeah. So adding to that memory is awesome. All right. What's your other? Maybe, may, maybe I'm salty yeah. because I didn't walk at my commencement. I, I was going to bring that up, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a story. I didn't do anything day. wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's okay. It was baseball. It was because college baseball. It was because of baseball. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. But no, your, your last point of matures are like, you're so right. It's like college baseball senior who just gets to do like whatever they want. Like I remember someone like my senior, like when I was younger, drove their car on the field and like no one cared. Right. Because it was like, oh, well, he's a senior. What are you going to tell him? Right. It was a freshman. It's like, what are you especially, doing? Yo, especially in Max Scherzer's last year of his contract. It's right. essentially the equivalent. Do? Right. Like, like if, again. Yeah. If this was like, you know, Carter Keyboom, like that's not going to fly. <laughs> like, All right. Dude, my ugla Jordan is college baseball related. Did you watch the SWAC championship game okay, this past I did, weekend? I did not. So I don't know what you're about to tell me. What I do know about the SWAC is that Jackson State was, I think, 24-0 entering the tournament. Um, and then they did not win it. But I do not know how they did not win it. So tell me. Okay. So I am now going to send you a video, Jordan Schusterman, that you are going to describe to people. Okay. Uh, but the context here is correct. Uh, that Jackson State was easily the best team in this conference. I would say the SWAC is like a good, they're like a good lower tier conference, right? Uh, Jordan, skip to 11 minutes in, uh, in the video that I have just sent you. Uh, the game was incredibly close going into the later innings. I believe the Jackson State was playing Southern. Yep. It was a two-run game. Southern was up six to four in the ninth inning. No one out, two runners on. And Jordan, right. I would like for you to describe what happens after that. All right, that. so I'm currently watching, yes, again, two runners on, no one out. Jackson State is up to, this is the championship game, so they're trying to close it out and win it. Okay, the ball is pitched, the ball is hit to left field, the left fielder goes back, he jumps up, he catches the ball and crashes through the fence of the bullpen. The door opens, he crashes through it. He Does he have the ball? He does not have the ball. Is that a home run? What the <laughs> Okay, the guy is now running around the bases. He thinks it's a live ball. Even the ball is in the bullpen. The ball has now gone to... Th All right. I okay, so what, here's what, what happened. What is the result? Tell me the result because this is the, too chaotic to describe. The result is a three-run home run for Southern that wins them the game against Jackson State, upsetting the number one team in the conference. That was but ruled here's a home run? Ruled a home run. So just again... Ball driven deep to left. The outfielder jumps up against the wall. It hits his glove. But when he makes contact with the wall, the bullpen door was unlocked and he hits the door and the door swings open into the bullpen and he falls on the ground. No and drops padding. the ball. And drops the ball. And drops the ball. Rule the home run. Season over. That's how it ends. So, right. And they just didn't come back in the bottom of the ninth. So, yeah. like... I mean, again, and hopefully, oh man, I hope Jackson State gets in at large now. <laughs> I mean, when he jumps up and catches it, he's basically over the fence. So you could argue that the ball was going over the fence. Any, but then he didn't complete the catch. I have no idea. The, do you agree with the this worst? Uh, the worst part of it, I have no idea what you do. The worst part of it is that the bullpen door that was unlocked was the other team, the team that hit the home run. It was their bullpen. Oh, so like, a like booby trap. It's like a booby trap. So like if you're... Oh my God. Incredible. 
Holy shit. I don't know how I missed this. This is unbelievable stuff. Uh, again, like just go on YouTube, search Southern versus Jackson State, SWAC Championship, amazing game, skip to 11 minutes, uh, and you will see what we're talking about here. Incredible. It's, I, it's an incredible, I've never seen anything like it before. Bobby Wagner, are you watching this highlight? You need to watch this. This is, this is very important. Jake didn't just, send it to me. I didn't. No, I just sent it, just sent it straight to Jordan. I'm just chilling over here, you know. <laughs> I just know Bobby doesn't care about. Well, well, I hope Bobby. I hope that my description was not. You'll understand why I started to panic because I was so confused. It's just the idea that like oh the other God. team did this on purpose is so funny to me. That like oh, they left the bullpen door unlocked. No, that's giving them way too much credit. That would they be, just forgot. Also, it's crazy because you can see the Southern reliever jumping up and down in the bullpen, like excited. I wonder if they would rule it a cat. If he caught it, it must have been. It's just that he I did. guess I don't think he over. caught it. I don't think he caught it. Right? You don't think he I ever think, really had full possession? I don't think he ever really Whoa. had full possession. <laughs> <laughs> There's Bobby. Isn't that nuts? So he just doesn't have it, and that's ruled a homer. That's crazy. That's I mean, the end I of the can't season. blame. That's like, your I, season. I guess that is the right call. I don't know, man. That's insane. That's on like the grounds. Like, I don't even know if I'm the coach. I'm not even sure who I'm mad at. Like, it's easily the best part of this video is that the entire Southern team is on the field within seconds. On the field. (laughs) Yes. Like, I was going to say, not a walk off. College baseball right there. (laughs) Top of the ninth. (laughs) Also, walk off. Great jerseys on that squad. Oh, Oh, yeah. Shouts out to Southern. Um, Great. All right. Go Jags. That, go Jags. Amazing, amazing. I'll go out. Thank you for doing that. I hope, again, just like go watch it. You guys all have access to this. It's fine. Uh, all right. Let's do a quick Mets con because holy shit. And then we will be done. We have to bring in Dr. Bob. Dr. Wagner, please join us because there is another New York Met going on the injured list. Your 17th string center fielder, Jonesh Wefargus. We'll be hitting the IL today or tomorrow after, I think, crashing into the fence during Monday's game. Is that the third fence crasher in center? I, I believe so. Yeah, it is. Everyone's going full Bryce Harper. <laughs> um, Bobby it, you Wagner. know whose fault oh, Aaron Rowan you know out there in center and City Field? You know, yeah. it's, it's actually uh, Rojas's fault. I'll tell you why. Because he's the type of guy you'd run through a fence for. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is the problem. This is everyone's saying, I'd go run for a while. Like, no, stop saying that. Don't, that is what everybody that. is saying in Queens. Everyone is saying that um, Rojas is too good of a manager. That's what they're saying. <laughs> right? It's All like, right. I want a manager who's so good, I wouldn't run into a fence for him. Bobby, uh, you know what? I want a manager who's so good that our team's so good that we're not in close games to where I need to run into the wall to make plays because we're up by six runs. Okay, there you go. Bobby Wagner. Here's the now current list. We did this last week and somehow it's gotten even bigger. Here's the list. I'm the glad injured. you're reading it because I had it pulled up and I didn't want to have to go through all of this pain. Here we go. Pete Alonso, J.D. Davis. These are guys who are on the aisle. Pete Alonso, J.D. Davis, Luis Guillorme, Jeff McNeil, Albert Omar Jr., Marco Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, Jose Martinez, Kevin Pillar, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, Jacob deGrom, Noah, Syndergaard, Seth Lugo, who's coming off soon, Tell Matances, and their best hitter, Tommy Hunter. It's really uh, nice to not have Yoannis Cespedes on that list, though, I gotta say. <laughs> I know. We're so used to that. And then Jonesh Fargus will be joining them, which means 
that they recent wow okay here's who's currently healthy jonathan vr francisco lindor hey uh, pretty good okay dom cameron maben who they traded for and immediately hit third dom smith really struggling tomas nito jose peraza janesh Fargus, never mind he's hurt khalil lee james mccann is still healthy don't worry patrick mazika wilfredo tovar and brandon drury those are major league baseball players those are the mets. mets uh bobby wagner steve cohen is tweeting uh hey can anyone suit up haha uh, Steve Cohen is kind of just tweeting through it as he has all season long. You are also tweeting through it as ever as you are all the time, which is fine. Uh, Bobby Wagner, what is your Mets Quick con? Try by because... me tweeting through. What else am I supposed to do? That's what I do here. No, no, no. It's fine. Exactly. You have no choice. Steve Cohen has other options. You, you really stock right, options. There's, there's nothing else you can do. Um, Bobby Wagner, where is your Mets con at right now? Because I mean, in, on one hand, whatever, they're hurt, they get healthy, they'll be back to being good, they were doing pretty well anyway, but like, this is a pretty epic, this is worse than the Yankees yeah. a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, this is pretty incredible. I'd like What's to put Metscon at three, verging on a two, because in my head, I'm starting to be concerned that there's something supernatural going on here, <laughs> um, because the Mets are onto their fifth string center fielder. I've yep. never even heard of that. A team going yeah. on to their fifth string. You don't even fielder. say fifth string is not a term. No, like, that's it's not. not that's not on a depth chart that you could find right. on the World Wide Web. Right. So I, I'll, I'll say three because it's still early. If this was happening in August or September, perhaps yeah. I would be a two. Yeah. I but think at, at some is... point, like they might have to contract the team because there's not <laughs> enough players. And what even if you name? look at, even if you look at, like you're like, oh, you know. The, the major league team is going through it right now. Maybe I'll spend a, a little while watching the minor league team. Like the, the, Their top prospects are hurt too. Or one of their top 10 prospects is Khalil Lee, who got called up and went 0 for 20. I think injuries are just dumb luck roll of the dice. And that's like the next frontier for teams. And like, you don't know. It's just guys get hurt and you, 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 you play Cameron Maven. <laughs> I mean, Cameron Maven is a great, like, that's how he's going to get to Edwin Jackson's record of teams played for is teams just getting hurt in epic, epic ways. Um, but yeah, Bobby, I mean, it sucks. Like I, whatever, like they will be again, it could be so much worse. Like they've still won some of these games, which is an absolute miracle. So uh, hopefully it will start to start to move in the right direction. Soon. Level with me. Janeshwi Vargas, Fargus, sorry. Janeshwi <laughs> Fargus. Did you think that that was real when you first saw it? Yes. His wait, his name? Just, just him existing, or did you think that <laughs> yeah. it was just like a prank? Because I, uh, I, I believe, wasn't yes. sure. I believe everything I read on the internet. So okay. I believed it, and, and it was someone that someone that Jordan had heard of. So yeah, so which is not that's a low bar, but um, all right, uh, Bobby. Hopefully, your team can get healthy. The last thing I want to say on this podcast before we say goodbye is that tonight Jake and I will be attending. Our first minor league game of the season, my first professional game of the season, and in over a year, will be. I am also in New York. I'm not in the same room as Jake, but our we'll first attending, yes, professional baseball game together, yes, since Game Two of the 2019 World Series, yes, and uh, we'll be seeing the Brooklyn Cyclones and newly promoted top Mets prospect Francisco Alvarez. And a couple other fun he Mets will be, prospects. I was going to say, uh, catching prospect Francisco Alvarez will be the second best catching <laughs> prospect in the game. I believe uh, that is... Uh, wait, no, he won't. What are you talking about? Adley. 
No, Adley's and Bowie, dude. Come on, get get. Adley's and Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, now Jake doesn't want to go going. to the game. Uh, we will also see Ronnie Mauricio, and the point is, is we will see the Brooklyn Cyclones, and it will be wonderful. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I will give you a full report next week, and I will let you know if Francisco Alvarez should be playing over James McCann. Thank you for listening to Baseball Barbecue. Thank you, Jake Mintz. Thank you, Bye. Bobby Wagner, for producing. Thank you Bye. to everyone who listened. And uh, go watch some college sports this weekend. You will enjoy it. Talk to you next week. Adios. Bye.